And welcome to the Life Support Live podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous Starship captain once said, and as another famous Starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, we'll try to have a little fun along the way. Always, always, that's the goal. Hi everyone, I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimacek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. <laughs> hey, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now... Let's engage with our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. It's good to see everyone here um, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitch. Um, hi, Daniel. Welcome. Uh, welcome back. Uh, Rose, so good to see you. Uh, Glenn, so good to see you. Christopher, uh, or Christophs, welcome Chris, to the Christoph show. Christoph and Scott and some of my tribe is here. The Portales are showing up. The, the Tuesday Livers, everybody's here. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is a big experiment for us. This is the first, in case you're wondering what you're watching this is the first episode of life support live larry um would you mind introducing who the heck we are and what we're doing here well i i, I better just vouch for me because i don't know who you are I've never seen you before in my life <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, just I, beamed I into that, the show yeah i use that term dr trek lovingly because i wound up it's better than saying jack of all trades because then you get the master of none but no i've been a, i've been a, <laughs> i'm a trained journalist and a trained thespian uh but i've been a star trek fan among many other things all my life or at least since i was a kid junior high kid and you may know me people may know me as the author of the next generation companion which was a bestseller uh, and Stellar Cartography Now, editing the Star Trek Communicator magazine for eight years. But Gosh, I loved it, reading that so much, Larry. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's amazing hearing people's uh, stories about that book yeah. in particular. But here recently with our media boom and everybody reinventing themselves, I, I basically operate Trekland. <laughs> we have the uh, podcast, The Trek Files, from Roddenberry Network. Very privileged to, to run that, to, to host that every Tuesday with a guest. I have a live show on Tuesdays on Facebook, as a lot of our folks today know. Trekland on Tuesdays live at 1 p.m. Pacific. And uh, just started a new project here for the uh, for the duration, also on Fridays, called uh, Nonfiction Friday, where we have just a simple book meetup on Zoom and talk about uh, talk about all that. But uh, the Con of Wrath documentary, if I finally get it done. But yeah, but basically uh, hosting, writing, interviewing, talking at conventions. I love fandom. I love the behind the scenes and the canon. And what I love about what we're doing today is getting back to the roots of why no matter where your fandom takes you, it's probably what brought you to Star Trek in the first place. I'm th Dr. Ali, you're going to help me get over my, yeah, well, I know, <laughs> reaction to Star Trek. But – Tell me about you, sir. 
Yeah, I am a clinical psychologist, and my journey to psychology is all through Star Trek. I saw Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered uh, Country, with my brother, and it blew me away. It was the first time I was seeing ourselves projected in the future, and we had better ourselves. So my brother and I started uh, binge-watching as best as you can in the early 90s Star Trek. We went to Blockbuster, rented a bunch of videos, were watching Star Trek in syndication, and um, I loved it. And I was hooked with all these ideas that Star Trek asks about who we are, why we would do what we would, what we do, and and how we would act in these um, in these very difficult situations, and how we might better ourselves. When I got to college, I discovered psychology, and it's the science that answers those questions that Star Trek raises. So I became a psychologist because of Star Trek, and I um, like exploring the intersection of those things. I have um, a blog called Brain Knows better, which I haven't updated in a long time, but that <laughs> explores the psychology of science fiction. But where you probably know me from is YouTube. I, I have a YouTube channel called The Psych Show, where I make videos about making psychology fun and easy to understand. I've been on Netflix. Uh, I've been on um, NBC, CBS News stuff. Um, maybe you've seen me on BuzzFeed. So I like to do the intersection of media, of mental health, of psychology. Make it fun. Make it interesting. And I am a big fan of of this guy that you're looking at, or I should go like that. No, pointing the wrong way. There you are, Larry. I'm a big fan of Larry uh, Nemechek because the two of us have worked together on a number of panels. We were going to do another one for WonderCon. Never happened. WonderCon is canceled. Larry, it looks like we're not going to be doing it for San Diego Comic-Con either. San Diego Comic-Con is canceled. And we wanted to make something of this time that we have together apart. And this is what led us to life support. So life support, what the heck We're are we doing here? We're making out of panel. No, wait, that's something else. <laughs> yeah. Silver lining of all these cancel cons is, is led to what you're watching right now. And this is about you. It's about me. It's about Larry. We are coming together for the duration uh, for who knows how long that's going to be. We have no idea. And we are going to each week tackle a topic, an idea, a story, a character from Star Trek and trying to understand it, trying to understand the context, the mental health, the psychology, and how we can take part of that story and use it to help us better ourselves and better humanity. Larry... Oh, wait, wait, Ali, what, uh, what, are we going to have a quiz tomorrow? Inside no tomorrow? quiz. This is, this is fun. This is, okay. yeah, you might learn stuff, and you might want to quiz your friends. Uh, so we can send everybody away ignorant. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, and it's, it's not a quiz. It's also not a debate. We're not here to what? talk about what Star Trek is best. We're not here to criticize um, the stories as much as we can understand them and learn from them and celebrate them together. Um, we are a live show. So that means, Larry, folks can join us. How, how, how are... I don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have a rough outline here, emphasis on the rough. So we think we know what we're doing. But right, live is exciting, and we've got the chance for everybody. That's what this is. I've never done a multi-platform show. So we're on YouTube. I'm watching some of the chat comments here. We are on YouTube. We are your YouTube, The Psych Show, mm-hmm. my Facebook, Facebook Live. And we're even going over to see if there's some, you know, like, really bored gamer kids on Twitch <laughs> um, that might be watching us. Or I 
kids. I'm see. I'm being. Uh, we might have some very uh, adept gamer senior citizens to stumble into us too. <laughs> um, we're having a fun discussion in the comments section. Uh, Gerard asked um, Gerard or Jared. Please let me uh, let me know. <laughs> I want to make sure I get that right. Um, mm-hmm. Asked the two doctors. It's like a Doctor Who anniversary episode. Which carnation is which? Larry, apparently you are Tom Baker's doctor, according to Glenn, who is funny, whimsical, and loves to completely explore and explain concepts. That's that's pretty high praise. Tom that's, Baker's I, doctors, very blood. I, I'm not a big Who fan, but I uh, a moral school the newer. But uh, John Pertwee was my first doctor. If I'm going to mm. go there, I've never thought of it that way. But ooh, okay. Um, but that's thank you, thank you, Jared. That was nice. Brainwise, uh, it's okay. You're late. You're here. We're happy you're here, and we're getting started. So um, we want you to participate, so comment away. Uh, we're going to share as many comments as we can on the live feed, and uh, we love that you're all here. If you want to actually talk to us and with us, and you want to be the, the third the third mm-hmm. head in here, our last segment... We have room. We have we have, room. We've got so much room. Um, yeah. At about 40 past the hour, we're going to start taking in calls. So the way you can actually get on the show and be on with us on this live feed on all these platforms is by messaging on Skype life support host that's l i f e s u p p o r t h o s t life support host message us let us know what you'd like to talk about and uh we might pull you in to the episode a little bit later so please um please join in um now to get the conversation started we just would like to know have you been watching Star Trek during this shelter in place? Have you been? Um, is it something that's <laughs> helping you? Star. Oh wait. <laughs> well, I should probably say be quite as as uh, yeah as marinated as my tribe, but uh, I, it's probably a good. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask it this way: What Star Trek are you watching? Uh, let us know in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, we should get into a bit of a spoiler alert. So we're going to be talking about what today, Larry. Um, uh, what's that new one? The new one. What's that new one? Uh, Lower Decks. Uh, uh Section 31? <laughs> no, Picard. 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 Right, right. We're talking... And the series. The man and the series. Um, okay. And stealing a drink, too. Larry, I don't think we're going to... Com- we're not completely exploring every single detail of what happened in that finale, but parts of it might come up. We're not. Okay. We are. We. I mean, it's. If you want to be completely spoiler free, probably a good idea to pause this and come back to it because mm-hmm. we are going to explore some of the things that happen in Star Trek Picard. Um, so we can't promise we won't spoil things. So that's your warning. Um, but you Especially should. Because and and as we say, Picard, we do have a theme for today. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. Doctor. Apart from the episode and the character, we have a tone set for... We do. Right? Are we saying it? Anxiety. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We're talking. We're talking about grief, and we're talking about trauma. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Larry. I was like, oh uh, yeah, Larry. We have a plan for today. What are you talking about? It's um, Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're going to be exploring themes of grief and trauma. So that's also a heads up. Um, these are themes that we are all probably dealing with to some degree right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to get into um, trauma and grief 
as much outside of the show, like themes of it outside of the show, but we will be talking about these topics and hopefully you'll learn a little bit more about what it is and maybe also how to cope with it. So um, heads up, we're going to be exploring those themes as well. And should we throw out a caveat here that I... Uh, you know, will not be allowed to diagnose anyone, obviously, <laughs> uh, through the medium that we're doing here. And probably you should think about doing the same. Dr. Yes, Ali. yes, <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, morsels of wisdom, I'm sure that may be helpful. Because part of the reason our impetus, we're not just doing this because our panel at WonderCon um, went away mm-hmm. as the whole convention, as everything seems to be going away right now, which adds a level of stress to the world. No, uh, it's a great idea. Maybe in any time would have been a great idea, but of course, especially right now. I mean, I've been trying to step up and put a few more new uh, ways for people to get some some freebies. Just try to do. I think we all should be doing what we can to help our fellow man woman um, in these times. And this is what I do in different stripes and flavors. So you know, I've got my other online businesses. Uh, <laughs> the live component is gone. We can't meet up. So more emphasis on online. The grid, the online streaming grid's taking a strain from everybody. So I'm doing my part to add to the online strain. But um, I know I've got a couple of other things going on that I've added to my normal plate. And but I'm so excited for this because I've never partnered with anyone this way. Um, if I hadn't said that to you, <laughs> and this channel approach, we're getting we're reaching so many people. And I think once again, I always say I don't like to do the same old same old. And when we talked about doing this, I realized. I think we're going where no Star Trek show has gone before right now. So I'm really excited about doing this. So with that, let's head on into our discussion of Star Trek Picard. Um, this is uh, this is the briefing room. So we're entering the briefing room. Uh, this is where we're going to start our uh, introduction to the show. Um, so Larry, set this up for us because this was something you know we we didn't really. I never thought I would see something like this because Patrick Stewart has been very clear that um, everything that he wanted right. to say about Next Generation has been said. So well, he's a uh, you know, there's been all kinds of written. The internet melted down the day that Patrick Stewart walked out on that Vegas stage, yeah. and yeah. it was people were crying with tears of joy. There were five six thousand in that room. Their virtual brethren around the world were crying. You could see it in the hashtag meltdown, and I was cautious though i i was too but i knew that a big chunk of fandom thought this would be next generation too as i've said many times i think a lot of people thought we'll be a bright happy captain with a bright happy crew on a bright happy bridge doing bright happy missions mm-hmm. and i knew that wouldn't be the case because sir patrick is an actor he's uh yes whatever 25 years older but he doesn't want to do the same he doesn't want to do the same old same old again either that's derivative that's sequelitis and he would not want to do that, even if he did have the idea to come in. So they had to coax him back. And I knew he would say, well, let's, it's, it's the dilemma of all Star Trek. It's the dilemma of all franchises. When you do sequels and you do spinoffs and new shows, if you do them successfully, it's how can we do exactly the same thing we did before, but different? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which right? is, the, yeah, which is. In this case, he would want that personal thing of not being re- repetitious at all. So I, yeah. I. People now say that Picard is a darker show than Next Generation. Yeah. What we get into here today reminds everyone, it's the kind of thing I try to do all the time, but reminds everyone, you know, you may think Next Generation was a happy-dappy show, but look yeah. at what we know about Picard even before Picard. 
Right. 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 Which is what we're going to explore. And that's something that is actually one of um, it's a topic that you and I talk about a lot is about every 20 years or so Star Trek has been relaunched in some type of way. And at each of those points, there's been um, a struggle in the fandom between what you're used to thinking of Star Trek and then what you're what you're seeing now. We saw that with TOS to TNG. We saw that then with uh, the J.J. Abrams films. And um, we're seeing that a little bit now with Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard and, and more to come. But it's, it's interesting because because it's um, Jean-Luc Picard has aged. Patrick Stewart has aged. Um, the world is a very different place now in the 2020s than it was, well, especially now. And it's a very different place now in April than it was in January. <laughs> but right. um, the this decade and these past few years, is it's very different than the late 80s and 90s. And so part of this idea was uh, the showrunners wanted to explore not only what it is it like to age um, and to feature a character who never, a character um, of this age is so rarely featured in a TV show as the main character. So we have that exploration, but we also have the exploration of what is happening right now with rising nationalism, rising xenophobia, crises related to refugees, and um, and people closing off their borders. That's what the show set off to explore. And it's been um, it's been really interesting. This this quote from a um, interview with. Variety really stuck out to me where Patrick Stewart says, the world of next generation doesn't exist anymore. It's different. Nothing is really safe. Nothing is really secure. And that's, that's where we find, that's where we join Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, it's, people, yes, there's that phrase about people, they always start a new war fighting the last one. Uh, Mm -hmm. People always off trekking a new trek trekking the last one <laughs> and, yes. and you were you were you were hopscotching through the generations but we saw that even with the original series into the first movies that were so you know the reason for fandom in the first place was we want more trek okay we'll let some of it be official and on camera mm-hmm. it won't just be our zines and our cosplay and our conventions and all that and then you instantly especially going for, to wrath Khan, you had a tonal shift and you mm-hmm. had the 80s. I remember being a fan and thinking that Har Bennett's Starfleet was way too militaristic and all that brass and Admiral on the bridge. I'm like, that's not Gene Starfleet. Ooh, I'm mad. It's so Reaganistic. You know, and now you look back at the compression of time and all that just smooth. Same thing with Next Generation. And we, we lightly tripped over the DS9 and the yeah. Voyager simultaneous flavors, yeah. especially DS9. And then, the, you know, the Western, shared have, cinematic but, universe that Star Trek yeah, had right. in the 90s. Right. Yeah. Before there was a label for it. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But I'm saying every time there is a new Trek, it takes a while. For, we, we laugh about no Trek gets good until the third season. Maybe some of that has to do also with our expectations as an audience, you know. And, yeah. And, and forget the new eyes that people – I love uh, – Doug Drexler came up with this line a few years ago. He says, I know – I love um, I love all the new fans of Enterprise that mm-hmm. have come along now. They don't know that they're supposed to hate the show. 
<laughs> Which, I mean, we could have said the same thing for fans of The Next Generation um, when the show first premiered. Um, there was a bit of division. That's not my captain. Um, captain shouldn't be bald. Um, a bald French guy? Are you right, kidding? Right, right, right. And we're, we're going to explore that in a future episode. We're going to talk about the good, bad, and ugly uh, mental health side of fandom. Um, that's going to be a fun discussion. You mean the intersection of Star Trek and mental health in a meta level? Oh, Larry, I love to go meta. My uh, the psych show audience knows I love I love the meta. Let's go in there. Um, but do you do you like heavy meta? Because that's a whole new, okay. <laughs> heavy meta. We'll we'll save that for our uh, our back channel thread. Um, so that kind of sets us up. Um, and so let's let's head on into um, hard. hard. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Let's head into oh before we go into section two, um, um, Aldine had a great comment addressing age is a Trek specialty. Quote: Get back to your command before you really do grow old, and, and that's that's very true. We've had a lot of admirals who are older that have been featured as side characters, but we haven't really explored a older character in Star Trek in, in too much depth. Maybe I would say Larry, um, uh, uh, Captain Cisco dad and their family i would say um there was that other guy uh ali uh, that guy what was his name james um a oh, kirk yeah <laughs> in the movies i so that's it, i mean generations really did dive into that yeah. yeah well and wrath of khan dived into getting older and even star trek beyond yeah i but to see the character grow old Right. It was more of a, it was more of an outgrowth of dealing with an aging cast that we were yes. cast. So yes. we have to incorporate that as they're not running around, you know, running and jumping anymore. The, uh-huh. Their daring new exploits are going to be of a different kind because of just the age of the actors. But it was an opportunity to get to that. Does all all adventure, sci-fi, TV, thought-provoking have to be thirty-year-olds? So yeah. you know yeah. that was a good blow for uh, they. There were some reviewers that would make fun of the aging Star Trek cast through those original movies. And even starting to creep there with the next generation by the time of Nemesis. But Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all valid. It's, it's all, you know, it's all worthwhile. And it's a, if, if we really think of Star Trek as a true universe, everyone in the Starfleet, the Star Trek universe <laughs> is not 30 so or 35. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into um, the counselor's log. This is where we're diving into the mental health now of this of this story. So, um. Larry, when we were sitting down to plan out this episode and we were talking about trauma, uh, so many characters have experienced a trauma in Star Trek. But when we talk about Picard, the amount of experiences he's had that we might associate as trauma, it's a pretty long list. Like, wh- no, 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 you're mistaken. There was no trauma and darkness to Picard until this new series. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I mean, being stabbed in the heart. Yeah, so tapestry. Domjot bar fight. Yeah, right? yeah. When you're young. Human play Domjot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we got tapestries being stabbed in the heart when he was a fresh uh, graduate from Starfleet right. Academy. Right. Um. I mean, we're not, we're talking about real trauma and grief. He'd had a, a quasi troubled home life, even. You know, he didn't get yeah. along with his brother and his father. He was yep. the oddball in the family. But that's not on the level of what we're, I mean, you know, it's, he's hardly a bit of vanilla character. Yeah. Uh, it's just that over the span of, you know, a seven year series and then 20 years of, of fandom, those little, it's, it's really a realistic way to do it. It's not a compressed 10 episode <laughs> streaming season. 
But over that span, there were all kinds of threads in that tapestry yep. to his life that we just kind of gloss over until we sit and, and, and do a micro-examination here. But right, he stabs to the heart, tortured by Cardassians. Yep, yep. Right, hung up and strung. It was a classic show, a chain of command. But that's a torture is traumatic anyway, and survivors of that and PTSD. And then, of course, we haven't even talked about the whole Locutus episode. Yeah. Being assimilated by the Borg. Yep. And not only being assimilated, but having the rec- – it's like he doesn't need his own flashbacks. Yeah. He, he encounters them in real life every time, you know, first contact, uh, the events of Picard. Yep. They keep coming back to him whether he wants them – he's imagining them or not. Well, we – and with Locutus and um, – not only is it the identity loss of agency and assimilation by the Borg, but also some of the responsibility he might be experiencing. We see that in the follow-up episode uh, with Best of Bo- uh, right after Best of Both Worlds. Is it called Family, I believe, is that next episode? We see some of the responsibility he feels about the deaths from Wolf 359. Um, so there's, there's that. We go into Star Trek Generations. He learns about um, the death of his brother, of his sister-in-law of his nephew, nephew. yeah um and, and the grief floating around out there somewhere i don't know if they'll ever bring her back as a character unless she has passed on since but yes it's his his brother and his nephew and we didn't really realize this until star trek picard but the death of data is something that has uh, significantly impacted um, uh, Jean-Luc Picard. Um, he it's it's impacting him differently, and oh. it's similar to um, similar to that, he's also struggling with the um, what actions Starfleet did not take after the destruction of uh, Romulus, um, or in anticipation of the destruction of Romulus and the the refugee crisis. So here's a question I have for for all of us that. I I've been thinking about this individual has gone through many different things that um, related to trauma. Why is it that he is so struggling with the death of data as well as the actions that Starfleet took? That's that's something I've been thinking a lot about. And um, Larry, I'm wondering if you if you have thoughts about this, about why why this why has this impacted him so significantly? Well, it's, it's again, you come back, you revisit a topic 10, 15, 20 years later, and you mm-hmm. see it in new eyes. And at the time, given the, again, the meta conceit of a two-hour movie and Data's death, which was a, re, which was a requirement in a practical way that, that, that Brent Spiner, I will not do another Next Generation movie unless we kill off Data because I'm getting too old to play him. <laughs> Forget that inheritance. We say that Data has an aging chip so he can match those around him and grow older. That all seems to have gone out the window uh, with Brent's concern. And now we have CGI de-aging, but forget that too. Um, they lure Brent back to, to do this arc, and he gets to play some songs. But looking back <laughs> – Of course he gets to play some songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But looking back at Nemesis through a Picard lens, yeah, it's a two-hour movie. And there were some brutal cuts, you know, like all the uh, – the character moments that you can see on the deleted scenes are gone. There was a wonderful Picard data set up to the memorial after his death that went away when they're, they're drinking wine together. Mm-hmm. But it does seem looking back that there's a mourn, there's a, a mournful after death scene for, for data. But then we see this, it's like there's been a death and rebirth 
Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the tone at the end of the movie is things move on, right? And Riker mm-hmm. and Troy are going to go to the Titan, and Beverly's going back to the Academy. and But Worf and Geordi are going to come along. Well, who knows what Worf's doing? But Geordi's going to come along with Picard, and they're refitting the ship, and he's got a new first officer, which got deleted, you know. Uh, Major Hayes's uh, great grandson or something was going to wind up being his his uh, uh, new first officer, but you know they were getting on, they were repairing and moving on and rebuilding, and that fit the theme what they needed to do in that ten minute wrap up after Data's death in a movie structure. Right, and that last scene you even see of him is kind of throwing off, you know, his uh, his depression of the moment and trying to get that smile and that look back in his step and be Captain Picard again and get on down the corridor into a new adventure and we didn't think about it so much at the time but looking back it is like well is that we're not obviously not seeing his 24 7 reaction in you yeah. know, daily life but the last tone we get of our last glimpse on camera until this new series is him smiling and confidently striding into the future and having handled that what we didn't see what's you know there's two or three things elements going on here it's not just data's death it's the whole domino effect of standing up for the Romulans after the supernova, then basically feeling betrayed by Starfleet philosophically and then personally. Mm-hmm. And that moment in time when all of us think we're a part of our place, and then all of a sudden the rug is pulled out from under us in a way we had no yeah. idea about. So he's grieving and traumatized by the loss of his status and position all of a sudden. Yeah, And like, you know, I don't yeah. care how old you think you are we all think you're old and you're obviously out of touch with in today and current we're out of here it's the kind of thing that in real life i call that sometimes the arrogance of the new or the arrogance of the young and five or ten years later someone says oh my god what in the world were we thinking please come back please you know come back and do what you did in a different way and apparently that's what we get to by the end of the arc of this series spoilers <laughs> but it's it's this domino effect. It's the whole um, it's the data loss, yeah. which sent him into retirement early. But it, he was sitting in retirement early against his will because of these other, you know, the the synth attack, which was something beyond his his doing. But his normal Picard reaction to it was like he was a, it was a different time, and he was out of touch with the time. Sadly, so it was yeah, all that stuff just pancaked on him. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it's made. Data, now he's got time to sit around and ponder, and what's the biggest regret of his life is feeling that – not just that he lost Data, but that Data made the decision to martyr himself for Picard's life That's... and not the other way around. And we get to that in that final scene finally. So we're this is this is the conversation that gets me so excited about Star Trek and and about life support because this is, this is where hopefully everything will come together. Um, Daniel – and uh, Scott were, have some good points here, too, where Scott mentions um, Picard's age and his mortality. Yes. Uh, that might be impacting things as well. And um, Daniel makes a comment about all the other traumas. The constant um, in Picard's life is Starfleet's purpose, and that was unshakable. And uh, Zaheer is talking about um, the guilt over his family's participation in creating refugees, a family being Starfleet. So it's it's all of these things you know we when we think about trauma we think about something horrific that is what causes trauma and that's not it what causes a trauma is an event has seismically shaken your beliefs your beliefs about yourself about other people 
about the world, about institutions you serve. These big ideals, big beliefs that you have, they're challenged in some way, in a massive way. And I think with data, what's different here is data, Picard was ready to die in Nemesis to save the Enterprise, save the Federation, save the whole galaxy, because whenever the galaxy is in danger, it's only the Enterprise can can save the day, or the Defiant, or Voyager, I guess, um, or the Discovery. Um, so, Data didn't need to die, and Picard feels this personal responsibility, which I think is different than the other losses, whether it's the loss of a civilization and um, the inner light or his family and generations um, or Hugh or Dodge here in Star Trek Picard. Picard feels this personal responsibility and I think with with the refugee crisis created by the um, uh, by the destruction of Romulus he feels like he has let down Starfleet has let him down and he's let down Starfleet and mm-hmm. one of the um, one of the most important things when it comes to well, and, uh, and if- let yeah. down those all the, and you see that played out. The Romulans that he promised to help and protect. Yeah. Yes. And opportunity to oh, here's the great bridge here that has nothing to do with Vulcan reunification. It's like here's a great way to advance a Starfleet ideal by helping our former enemies. You know, pull a pull a Klingon reverse. Only instead of it becoming an alliance, this is a humanity. It's a little bit like Praxis times a thousand or times a million. Yes. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the scale of this refugee crisis, and this is where I think Picard does things that are really interesting. Picard, meaning the show, does things really interesting because there's there's the refugee crisis from the Romulans, but, but there's also the Expies. And um, to see Hugh, the my, some of my favorite scenes here uh, in Picard were uh, scenes where we were seeing these older characters come back. And um, to see Hugh and his journey and how he has grown from his trauma. And this is one of the one of the coolest things. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, you don't. I mean, Hugh is one of those characters that. Hugh, when last time we had the initial Iborg, and then we had Descent, where he's taking his, you know, uh, his liberated, used to just say liberated bo- uh, drones or the deborgified drones or whatever, they'd be, been uh, disconnected from the collective, from the hive mind. And we just had this general idea of him going off to, you know, lead a, an insurrection. The, the Borg yeah. are so disparate. And so, you know, you can have a. Uh, we got into this in Voyager, of course, the Unimatrix and all that, but there are so many ways to rebel against the collective, physically, mentally, digitally, whatever, virtually, that you just kind of think, well, Hugh's out there fighting the good fight somehow, trying to help as many, you know, former Borg as he can. What I think it's funny, we talk about the Borg. The Borg, it's like the Borg are a fake, they're not really a species, they're a manufactured <laughs> outcome. And what Picard brought back to everyone, they said, oh, look, we're seeing the Borg in a humane light now, and, and they're not an adversary. It's a, it's a sympathetic light. Well, the Borg are all just poor souls from all these you know, thousands of species across multiple quadrants who were sucked up and manufactured. They're pushed out the Borg factory. Yeah. And yeah. if you're going to take that away and put them back to their, you know, their raw natural material, their raw materials, so to speak – only they're obviously damaged. They're, they've got the trauma of this. And but you know, I keep going back to here. Here, uh, seven, yeah. uh, Annika yep. was what sixteen years of Borg, something like that. Uh, Picard was just a Borg for four or five days. Not that that's no less traumatic 
But these other liberated XBs were aboard a lot longer than Picard was, and yet he was affected as he was that way, which is and, and a nice we, metaphor for our, the traumas and things we find in real life. But anyway, that that whole XB plot was. Um, I feel like it got dropped at the end, but that was a that was a thing that really opened a not a can of worms, a discussion point. That yeah, I love what I love about that story so much is it highlights a message that completely transformed my life that I got from Tapestry. So Tapestry is a story about Picard having this regret about a trauma that he experienced and wishing he could have corrected it. So Q lets him go back in time. He changes that and realizes he's a completely different person that because he didn't have that brush with death, he never learned to take risks and really um, value life. What happens to Picard right there is called post-traumatic growth. This idea that from the struggle that someone might experience after a trauma, when their, when their views of themselves and of the world have been challenged in a massive way, that people can grow from that. It's, it's not just about developing PTSD, but um, post-traumatic growth is possible too, where you get a, a stronger sense of who you are, of your strengths, of what's important to you. And we see that same story with the XBs and Hugh. Hugh develops this. When we last see him, he is so struggling with what did you do to me? And now he has this purpose of I am going to help all of these other poor souls who have had their identity um, stripped away. This is my purpose in life. And so why why hasn't. Picard experienced the same thing with data um, and the loss of data and what happened to Starfleet. And Larry, I think what what's ha- what's happened to him is he he's in some way been robbed of the things that all help us to not only recover from trauma but also grow from it. Right yes. after we experience a trauma, we need a lot of help to solve all of our problems because a lot of problems become created in your day. We are all experiencing this right now. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of challenges that we're all experiencing and we all need more help in solving those problems. You also, after a trauma, your emotions are like a roller coaster. They're going up and down and we all need new ways of being able to deal with these strong emotions. But then the most important thing becomes this like massive amount of thoughts that you might be experiencing of guilt of of doubt of responsibility we have to form a new narrative there and the thing that often helps most people form that new narrative is actually talking to other people what's called social support getting help from people you trust and feel like they can listen to you picard didn't have data. He no longer had Riker. His crew changed after Nemesis. And especially after he left Starfleet, he didn't have the people he always went to for help. You add into that the neurological disease he has, um, which is also making it more difficult for him to deal with his emotions. I think that is what set us up for Star Trek Picard. Right. Natural aging. And mm-hmm. here, the funny thing is also they – just because of that initial story about him being on the Stargazer for 33 years, the character of Picard is about 10 years older than Patrick's. And most of the time they try to make these uh, the characters the same age or if there's just – if it's a matter of you know Mike Akuda making a new Akutagram with the bio <laughs> I love those Akutagrams. They, they'll just they'll just make the birthday the same as the actors just for fun and they'll try to set the time frame um, – 
uh, where the character is about the same age as the actor. But in this case, this was a different, a really oddball case for Star Trek, where Picard, by force of the story, wound up being, say, 10 years older than, than Sir Patrick, which is fine because, you know, here's McCoy at 137. I mean, in Spock, it, you know, what, even even the non-Vulcans, even just the, just the humans, everybody is living longer naturally, which is, you know, yay. So it's it's not a stretch at all to see him be that. And, and if you watch the arc of Picard, it's fun to watch Sir Patrick when they do the flashbacks. It's it's still Patrick Stewart in in you know 2018 and 2019, but he's playing older. I think he's playing. T- I mean, which really alarmed a lot of people. They're like, oh mm-hmm. my god, how did he ever get through this series? It's like, well, he's an actor and he's playing more old and tired and depressed than he really is because you see him in those flashbacks 12 years earlier and he's all up and going. The senior. The senior admiral, um, but yeah, the, the character is ten years old. But yes, that now, and we were talking about the mortality, the aromatic syndrome, all of that. Um, just sometimes our familiarity with the character—it's it's really hard for people, I think, to watch Picard and not carry that filter of watching twenty-five or thirty years of yes. next yeah. episode, yeah. and keep forgetting the same way that people were worried about this new Star Trek being dark and everyone being broken. This is not mainstream Federation life. And Clancy, I said one time, like, oh, is a is a is a traitor. She's a plant, and so is Rizzo, Narissa. It's like the only actual Starfleet person we see, aside from that young cadet that, that booked, you know, gave Picard his visitor pin. The only really active duty Starfleet person we see is Admiral Clancy, yeah. and she's not a bad girl. She's caught up in the politics of the moment as any bureaucrat having to answer to. Starfleet and the Federation across all these hundreds of worlds, and that's politically where things were. And the minute he came back to her, she had her – they obviously had some back history. But the minute he comes back to her at the end of the series, she's like, oh, shut up. I'm sending a squadron. You know, It's like, <laughs> no, she's not a bad girl. She's a human being who doesn't have her own series. Yeah. Well, and, and <laughs> you know, speaking of I mean, that – But it's not – we're worried about these signs the Federation was – well, they go through phases. We you know, we nearly had martial law during the Dominion – or just before yeah. the Dominion War. Yeah. So, uh, yes. That, that's also – that coming back – Again, how he wrote it. Speaking of that Patrick coming, is, coming or, back, or, Larry, that's also what I, I think does help Picard not only to um, – to recover but get a little bit back to where he was functioning before is is seeing some of those people again and talking about what he's gone through we see that in what i think is the most beautiful episode of star trek picard nepenthe when he sees troy and Riker again who as um one of our commenters said are all have also gone through their own trauma and their own yes. loss and their own they grief aware of until the, the story starts unfolding and we say yeah. oh my god Oh my God! They yes. lost. They lost a son, and um, um, Jared is is uh, made a great joke here about uh, how much more we've done for mental health than Troy. But in that episode, I think you have one of the most beautiful examples of um, a counselor helping someone who is going through grief and going through trauma. And um, one of the biggest things we're supposed to do, we're trained to do as therapists when it comes to grief is helping someone to experience one part of the grief and being able to also get distance from it. And you experience some of it 
and you get distance from it. Experience some of it and get distance from it. The old idea was grief is about letting go. We don't really think that anymore. Grief is about being able to stay connected with what we've lost in a way that helps you. And like pandemics say, when you're all yeah. stuck sheltering at home and staying at home, yeah. you're staying connected here, even though we're we feel like we've lost. Um, God, we should do a show. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could call it life support <laughs> right now. Life, yeah. life support now. Yeah. Um, so that's it, it's it's beautiful to see them connect, and it's and the the part of the show that um, that part of the show, and then also the final conversation with Data at the very end were quite emotional for me to watch, particularly that Data scene because we were already sheltering in place at that moment, so everything was hitting me much harder than than it had before, but. We see by talking to Data, Jean-Luc is able to let go of the guilt that he has experienced. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something we all can find ways of doing right now is what are small ways that we can express some of the grief that we are experiencing? What are some ways we can talk about these thoughts that are happening in our head? Because if we just let those traumatic and grief thoughts just float around in our head without talking to anyone else about it, um, you see what happens. And what happens is where we meet uh, Jean-Luc in the beginning of the series. Right. Well, and what you say so much about the support network, your family, whatever your family looks like, it could even be your workmates, much less your actual family, whatever your tribe is that supports you, that does lead to healthier recovery from a trauma. I think what you're coming to here is what we think of trauma like capital T trauma, and we have yeah. our personal ones. Sometimes we expect things like the loss of, you know, eventually our parents, mm-hmm. and those older than us in our own lives, and occasionally, at least once in a lifetime, anyone that gets their life and some, you know, isn't touched by some horrific accident or bad accident, whether it's fatal or life changing or whatever, uh, you know, by the time you get into be in your forties and fifties and sixties and seventies, if you if you've escaped that kind of effect on your own person, much less someone close to you, you're you're really lucky. We we have those kind of you know expected life traumas, and then all the insane things that happen from you know living in the world today but um having a family around us of some stripe and having multiple layers of families is kind of the the first um (laughs) the first best defense there and then just our interests our layers everything that makes us in life and so yeah the people who are most suspect to the effects of trauma are those who are are cut off from that and i i think we we are identify you know again i i kid a lot but you are the real phd not me but just as a layman (laughs) (laughs) just as a layman we we started thinking about trauma i think maybe through the or most people did through the lens of ptsd and talking about post-traumatic stress and we think about soldiers in war particularly with war yes yeah it used to be called shell shock back in uh world war one shell shock and combat fatigue you know picard's uh, picard Patton slapping the kid in um in europe but um, and attitudes that right there attitudes. But it's not just soldiers in wartime. It's anybody going through a trauma. And we have the social traumas. And just sitting here, I'm thinking, well, all those landmarks that the old I remember where I was when that happened. Yeah. Your your Pearl Harbor, JFK, 9-11. Those are, yeah. Like those are social traumas. We just all happen to go through them all together, which yeah. makes them even more debilitating. And that family that we reach out to yeah. for support is all equally traumatized. So it's yes. like finding 
it's like we all have to group find our balance. Yeah, this is the biggest Lots challenge we're going through right now is exactly. this is this is the first time in my career where I am going through the exact same thing that all of my friends are going through and my family and my patients and um and my subscribers and my followers like everyone we're all going through the same thing. Um uh, I just have to point out what Glenn is Oops. saying. Uh Glenn says in my head canon I have imagined a scene where the Kirk remnant comes um, came back out of the nexus and told Picard, see, I told you what would happen if you let them take you out of that captain's chair. <laughs> I love that. Um, Larry, I've got a quick away mission. Uh-huh. If you want to get some of the benefits of this, then obviously you can find someone to talk to and explore these thoughts. But let's say you can't do that, or let's say it's hard, or let's say you're socially isolating um, at home, or you're an essential worker and you're so exhausted um, and you want some other way. My favorite example of what you can do, Larry? Yeah. You can do a personal log. Oh. You can do a personal... Everything or what? Yeah, yeah. So find a starship, enlist in Starfleet. Um, in a few years, you can become captain too. No, no, no. Um, you can you can make a personal log, and this is something that I really love about Star Trek. Is it's a part of Starfleet culture to make meaning out of the experiences you're going through. So th- this is coming from real treatments designed to um, help people recover from trauma or to reduce the impact of trauma. It's, we used to think it's about catharsis, that like if you, if you make a log, a diary, or write that it, it, yeah, lets go of your feelings. That's not it. What actually helps is forming that narrative, making meaning, constructing a story. That is what helps us when we're, all these thoughts are swimming around. So, um, you, you gotta do this for yourself. And not worry about any Romulans being able to hack into the, you know, the Tal Shiar and the, what are the other ones called? The new ones, Larry? Uh, the Zot, Zot Vosh. The Zot Vosh, yes. Don't worry about them. This is just for you. But if you want to get some of the benefits in, uh, of, of post-traumatic growth or at least move in that direction, what you can do is you can write on one page or you can record yourself or you, in any medium that you like, um, what, um, how has this crisis impacted you? How has it changed or strengthened your views about yourself, other people, or the world around you? Another way you can do this is take 20 minutes for four days, four consecutive days. That's it. And then you can stop. And then write about this experience, about the most difficult part of dealing with coronavirus for yourself. Tie it into your childhood, tie it into your future, tie it into what's going on right now, your family, your friends, your relationships, and just do that. Journal, write down, record yourself 20 minutes a day for four days, and that's enough to help you make meaning out of what you're going through. You make your own personal log, it's going to help you a long way to recover from this. But one one caveat to that, Larry, have you ever seen someone record a personal log when they're in the middle of an attack? No, you don't do that, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. So we, we record personal logs when we're in a stable place. So if you're overwhelmed, if you're going through a big a big crisis right now, you're emotionally overwhelmed, that's not the time to do this exercise. This is um, for when you're feeling a little bit more stable. And um, if you feel like you're starting to do a personal log that's getting too hard, back off and focus on something else. Focus on writing about something else. So yeah. that's, that's you know my what? advice. 
those of us that watch cable news a lot, they're they're. Thank, I get, I, I've said this many times on a, a lot of ways. If we had to live through a pandemic, so much better to do it now in the digital age with yeah. cameras on a phone and instant connectivity like we're doing right now with each other and with this our great groups here. Um, so much better to have this be stuck with it now than say ten or fifteen years ago because it's been easier to stay connected. And what's amazing, what you were just talking about, personal logs, it's easier to see people. We see so many medical healthcare worker, doctors and nurses that are making – you can scour the internet and find their, their personal you – know, their Facebook yeah. lives and YouTubes and just their posting on, on their Instagram stories. And the news is picking up. A lot of the news shows are picking these up as a wonderful – you know, for the greater audience – it's an eyewitness to the inside where you can't take a news crew inside some of these wards yeah, yeah. You know, that are on lockdown. But at the same time, the, the initial burst here is just these people on the front lines. They're doing making their personal logs for – can I use the T word? For thera- it's a therapeutic yeah. thing for them to get yeah. a narrative going. Exactly what you were just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is um, thank you Trekkie girls for uh, for wishing us congrats on, on the new show. We appreciate Thanks, all the support. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to give a shout out. My nephew is watching too. He said one good thing about the lockdown is he gets to see his uncle more. So oh, <laughs> so so good to to have you here. Yeah. Um, the thing that. Um, the thing that's also so helpful about this and about the stories that you're mentioning, Larry, and this gets back to why tapestry affected me so much, is um, just knowing that growth is possible and um, positive things can happen and can come out of um, really negative events, that in itself can help people grow, that knowing it's possible. When I first watched Tapestry, I was uh, I was in middle school, and... Um, Every time I had a setback in life, every time I had a failure, every time something completely blew up in my face, I thought of Jean-Luc and I thought about how can I learn and grow from the situation like Picard did in Tapestry. And I hope that Life Support Live and these stories can do the same for all of you, that we can remember that if we're able to come together, if we're able to support each other, if we're able to make meaning out of these struggles that we're going through, we all too can grow and we can cope with this with this setback. WWJLD, in other words. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, we have, um, we have another segment coming up. Um, it's time for... We're keeping an eye on the clock though, right? We are keeping an eye on the clock. Dr. Trek's K3 factor. Uh, Dr. Trek, what is the K3 factor? Well, the K3 factor on, on the meta level is if it's a deep cut, if you're familiar with your, uh, oh, you did get it in. Yay. I got it in. So the veteran, I don't say old fans, the veteran fans may recognize the very bottom of the, the uh, Dr. McCoy's sickbay monitor there from the original series edition of sickbay. Uh, all, all very realistically labeled when you are able to get a clear shot at them, and they all would get co- uh, occasional a shout out in dialogue. And there's one time I, I can hear Chapel saying, Doctor, his K3 factor is dropping. And it's like, what? So that's not a, that's like the one thing that's not real medicine on there, but I always loved it because there's one scale. For mental health, for <laughs> I know, <brain> I know. 
Is that the real term, right, uh, Doctor? K3 scale, yeah. We do have K-complexes, which are a scale oh, really? in uh, brainwave activity. It's when, um, it's when you're sleeping and there's a noise in the environment and you sort of react to that noise in your head and you're sleeping. That's a K-complex. So maybe it was coming out of that? I don't know. Well, some of you who may have watched a little Star Trek in your time may know that there's not a lot of um, mental health iconography. No, no, we (laughs) searched hard for it. You know, Uh, it's just like, oh, McCoy, he's our kind of psychologist when we need one, even though he famously says at least at one point, I'm a surgeon, not a psychologist or psychiatrist. (laughs) And there is a we do see one or two psychologists of uh, guest characters. And we and we do know that they uh, Lieutenant Karen Tracy is carrying a psycho tricorder, which would be interesting. Um so yeah, McCoy has to fill in that for the like the, so the, the the one hardcore example of mental brain science, however you stripe it there, is the K three factor on the board. So I just I just took that as a search. But my my little input, you have so much here from real world. Okay, okay, fine. So you're a real doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so from from my doctor of trachology degree, um, I just wanted to throw in something for us every week. So my K three factor here this week is of all these. Incidents we're talking about from Picard's uh, Picard's you know fictional life here, his resume and his biography, uh, from the real world here where, where Trekland is dwelling, uh, Chain of Command, which was the torture episode we were talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. amazing episode, and think you know in the in the early nineties, um, you know here's Star Trek trying to be socially relevant, and they won a lot of plaudits, a lot of humanitarian groups and social justice groups you know applauded Next Generation mm-hmm. for doing that. Expose of torture that it's always a big, you know, 10 years later, it came back again through the Iraq war outcomes, mm-hmm. sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting, this here on a, on a backstage Trek level, a guy named Frank Abadamarco was brought into the writing staff with a much ado, much ballyhoo. He'd won writing awards. He was a well-known Hollywood writer, uh, TV series. And, and Jerry and Michael and Rick were so excited to have him on the staff. And the first thing out of the gate was he's like, I want to do a torture show. Awesome. Go for it. I want to do a good old Star Trek message issue show about torture. And Patrick's oh, Patrick's all into this. He's going to, you know, oh, my God. Yes. Great, great, great. Everybody's all aligned with it. And where intention meets reality is, as so often happened, even the best writers in Hollywood could not handle a Star Trek. Hmm. By reverse, a lot of the best writers in Star Trek could never get a job anywhere because they go, it's such a rarefied job. Mm hmm. Uh, an outset as a writing as a, a directing even too but mm-hmm. writing especially and the sad truth was that he got into this two-parter did not all for all the best intentions and for all of his resume and that he still had he just did not work out he's one of those times when the best writers in hollywood could not hack star trek mm. despite the best intentions and he did his 13-week deal and was gone at mid-season <laughs> It was not the social media era, so there mm-hmm. weren't you know five thousand toxic Avenger YouTubers on talking about <laughs> the scandal. He just quietly went away. But it's it's nice and had a career and went on just fine. Thank you very much. And other writers came to Star Trek. But it's it's amazing that um, here in that short time, all those hope for all those expectations didn't pay off for him personally. Star Trek thrived, mm-hmm. and in the meantime, he does have one gift to us. He has mm-hmm. this amazing show, Chain of Command. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is this this great light on trauma and torture and that issue in the Star Trek um, playbook here. 
And anyway, there's your K3 factor for the week. Uh, if you want to join in the show, uh, send us a message on Skype at Life Support Host, um, and we will get you on the show. We'd love to uh, love to talk to some of you all directly about Star Trek Picard, about grief, about trauma, about any of these things that you or the K three factor. Um, you know, I wish, I wish there was some type of like meter that I could just kind of measure right. someone's One mental health. All meter bang. Yeah, yeah but the, I mean, the thing about mental health, like, if we just define what mental health is, mental health is about your thoughts, feelings, behavior, how you manage stress, the actions you take, how you connect to other people. There's no universal measure for it in mental health. Um, people have been trying to create something like that. Um, the field of psychology has been trying to find a basic unit, its own cell or, um, uh, you know, like some big universal con uh, concepts. We thought stimulus response might be it, but it's not. So it's um, it's something that I wish uh, we had seen uh, more of um, in Star Trek. Star Trek hasn't, when I see mental health in Star Trek, I, I haven't seen it evolve much beyond ideas of mental health from the 1950s and 60s. And I think this is why a lot of people don't like Troy's representation as a counselor or then Esri's. Um, I think actually one of the best representation comes from Admiral, in from Star Trek Discovery, Admiral oh, Cornwall. Cornwall. Cornwell. Cornwell. Yeah, yes. that small scene of therapy that she, that little bit of counseling that we get from her is fantastic. And for me, I loved seeing a uh, mental health professional become an admiral because that that's just so cool to me. And it also reflects the service that so many mental health experts uh, give to our military. Um, the military has, um, the military is what turned the field of psychology from a bunch of academics to uh, people who were actually practicing as well, because there was a shortage of psychiatrists after um, World War One and Two, And so psychologists were moved in first into the field of assessment of seeing, um, is someone ready to go out into battle? And also what kind of positions they should have in the military, but then also helping to rehabilitate and heal and uh, treat people as they came back. So that's my, that's my K3 factor, I guess. <laughs> Dr. Friedman on MASH. I forget his first yeah. name. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, Larry, I'm not getting any messages. So either there's a, a problem no, I, with Skype I, or... I more text here. Um, yeah. Jared says, has anyone noticed that the Trek expert is dressed like a doctor and the doctor is dressed like a Trek expert? <laughs> Very funny, Jared. Yeah. I love I, that observation. You know what? I didn't set up to look at the Skype. You're, you're, you're in charge of Skyping. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, Everybody, if, seriously, you can get on camera. Now, we're yeah. obviously going into a past an hour, technically. Maybe, yeah. maybe since our debut. So, you know. But folks, if you wanna if you wanna Skype in with us, get on your Skype and look for life support host, one word, and you can Skype in and join us here in the talking boxes. And if you um if you have tried to message life support host, but um I'm not seeing it. Uh, give us a comment and let us know. Uh, that's important for us to know too. This is, you know, we're dealing with launching a show. That, 
<laughs> you know, Larry, you and I have both done live shows, but we haven't done live shows where it's two people side by side broadcasting to three platforms at once during a pandemic. We've had so many tech problems, um, so many tech. My power for my camera it broke. Um, your mouse broke um we're we're kind of making it work as best as we can as all of you are too but the important thing here is we're all together in this um we are all uh we're all helping each other we're all um creating a sense of community you know i've seen some great comments about how wonderful it is to celebrate star trek here in the comments section with a bunch of trekkies I could not agree with you even more. Um, Sean says, live long and prosper, stay safe. Um, I hope everyone is staying safe. And right. um, Rose says, yes, I wish I could. It doesn't work for me. Hmm. What, what, what is R- it? Rose, are you are you talking about Skype? That Skype is not working uh, for you? Hmm. Um, huh. Well, we're going to have to... Else, anyone that's tried to Skype... Could someone try to Skype right now? Yeah. Um, it's okay if you don't want to be on video, too. We'd love to talk to you as well. Right, you could turn your camera off. We can still do a live talk-talk. Yeah. Uh, the mouse <laughs> is dead, Jim, <laughs> says Sean. <laughs> it's dead, Jim. Um, we did have a comment up here. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, Brooke, coming from your YouTube, mm-hmm. says, What can we do to guard against future quarantine trauma? Mm. I guess that's your personal journaling, your personal logging. So um, that is a fantastic question. One of the things that we are experiencing right now is we're drawing from research on trauma, on mass disasters, on isolation and quarantine and pandemics. Now, all of these things haven't happened together since 1918, and there was really no research on mental health um, related to those events at that time. So we're not 100% sure what's the best way to guard against future sheltering in place, and we're not even sure what path things are going to take. We might stop sheltering in place and then go back to interacting and then we might have to do it again until a vaccine is developed. So we we don't know. The best thing that all of us can do is number one, get really good at asking for help when we need it because we're just we're not good at solving problems when we're under immense stress. Number two is develop routines. You don't need how to have every hour of the day planned out, but having something that anchors the morning, something that anchors afternoon, something that anchors the evening. And then number three, reaching out for help when we need it, talking to people and uh, continuing when we feel stuck or overwhelmed, that's a time to go to your personal log. That's why you don't have to do a diary every day. But when you get stuck, that's the time to go to your personal log and uh, maybe even share it. Share something that you've written with someone you trust. That's going to be a great way to deal with this. Right. And you can do it. And again, you can do it digitally in today's. You couldn't do that in 1918, much less, you know, 2000. Hey, Ali. Um, yeah. Did did we sign into the Skype account? We're, did you in? Oh, that's a good point. Let's see. Someone says, um, uh, so Mick from your YouTube feed says, hey, it says you guys aren't online. Uh, That is super weird, Mick, uh, because we we are on right now. Oh, the Skype. Did someone Skype? Skype? Yeah. I'm sorry, Mick. 
let's see if we can figure this out. Um, you two than me, since you've got the hub. Yeah. Um, Larry, this is a great time for you to cover for me while I poke around at Skype. Pop that slideshow up and we'll talk in depth. No, I mean, this is, it's amazing. And guys, I just want to say part of the, part of the thing for doing this show, like I, I told Ali, I've told a few of you the last few weeks, something that started when Leonard passed away, Leonard Nimoy. We say, we call everybody by their first names. Like we've had, you know, I, I didn't even work with Leonard that much um, once or twice, unlike some of the other actors and especially behind the scenes people. But it really set me a reset back. I, I, I've always known that I was a, a canon guy and a background lover. That was my first love of Star Trek out of the gate. But I was still attracted to the show. I still loved the future. I still loved the aspirational. I still loved all of that. The same basic attraction is just <laughs> – I just moved on. I guess maybe – and maybe this is the arrogance of the white middle-class kid from the heartland. But I didn't – a lot of the life traumas I was spared from as a child. I mean don't worry. Don't worry. I, you know, like my parents got divorced later on and, and plenty of life events happened. It was very civil. But plenty of life events happened. But for me, Star Trek was this great future adventure that was also about world building. And I was amazed that it was so internally consistent. And those are my attractions, and I would see after you get into fandom and you're reading what people are commenting on and you see what people talk about in live events, conventions, and I went, oh, boy, people sure are getting off on the characters and the plots and the philosophy. Okay. To me, it was always like, well, yeah. (laughs) It's like if that all wasn't there as a bedrock, I wouldn't care about all the rest. So, And there's even been times over the years when I thought, hmm. Why don't I want to get in and wallow around more in the philosophy and the characters and the plots? It's like, well, it's that's a given. It's as Gene said, if we don't get past all of this, then there is no future for us. We'll blow ourselves up. We'll poison our planet. Larry, I think and when Leonard died, it was like, oh, you know, I take so much of Star Trek for granted. So I just want to thank you, Ollie, again, and thank everybody. This this trauma time, this quarantine time, has been great about reminding me as. As my not Trek business entrepreneur circle people keep telling me over and over again, Star Trek is so good for our well-being, our, our mental health in good times, much less in bad. It's such a family feeling. It's such a community. It's the DNA of Gene and all that the you know Bob and Dorothy and Gene Kuhn and all all down the line have given to it, and it's a wonderful thing to be part of in that community and that vibe. And as actors and writers and directors and second assistant craft people will say, if you're going to get a, a paycheck in Hollywood, you would much rather have your paycheck come from and be able to talk to your family and friends and your grandkids later on that you were involved with Star Trek than you were, you know, the wife beater husbands of Beverly Hills or something. I, I'm just saying. Larry, I think we've got uh, we're ready to bring mm-hmm. in our first caller. So that was accurate. Yeah, we've got Skype. Let's see. Let's see if things. A little revelation. And thank you guys for all your awesome comments. But we've got a Skype call. This is historic. I think we do. Can you do it? I see an S. Hello. Who are we talking to here? Hey there. Hi. Uh, What is your name? Oh. Oh. We have an old friend of the show. Brian, how are you? You are live 
on Life Support Live. Um, in case you're getting confused by also looking at the live feed, there's a little bit of a delay here, so don't worry, but you are on. Um, Brian, how are you? We miss you. We are sad we won't be able to see you at WonderCon or San Diego this year. Especially, I know. How, how about that? That's just... That's the thing where, that really hit me was when MCCC was finally canceled. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Um, I know how much uh, Brian is uh, a friend, uh, friend of the show. Hard to. It's funny to say that because the show's on episode one. But um, Brian, <laughs> you've been a big supporter of both Larry and I in in all that we do. And uh, one place that we often saw each other is um, uh, is at San Diego Comic Con. And uh, you talk about grief, and uh, it's not just about um, grieving. Um, people, but it's also about grieving the loss of things that are important to us. And for many of us, um, San Diego Comic-Con and these other places where we all got together, we need to take a moment to be able to grieve those losses. Oh, absolutely right. That was, that's what I shared in a few places was the fact that the, um, the cancellation of, of SDCC hit me for two main reasons. One was I know so many people who rely on that show for their livelihood. That is, that is like the show that usually puts them in the black for the year. Yeah. You know, they may do a lot of cons, but that one really helps them. So that was one thing I knew they were going to be suffering. And then number two was that's the wider nerd family community. That's the one time of year I get to see all of them, you know, in, in person. Uh, so my wife and I were like, Oh, I can't, you know, we're not, we're all these people. We're not going to get to see. I'm not going to see, you know, we're not going to do the deep dive with, with uh, Dr. Trek. Um, you know, Ali, you just moved back to that area, so it was, it was possible that we might be able to see yeah. you because you'd be yeah. kind of close to us. Yeah, I was hoping to come um, back so, for it. Yeah. Yeah, so all of those things were hitting me all in one day. <laughs> well, so how, how are you holding up? How are you, how are you coping with all of this? Um, well, I guess the strange thing is that I'm still taking my master's classes. I, when I was laid off last year, I, I went back to school. I'm taking classes to get my master of divinity. I'm, I'm hoping to eventually be a, uh, an interface chaplain at the college or university level. So I have a big community there that support me and I help support them as well. Uh, I'm also still running the interface training program in this area. We've just tried to move some of that online. Um, you know, we're usually a brick and mortar kind of school so we had our first Zoom class today. That was very interesting to mm. see people trying to, <laughs> to move into that space. But also, they were just so happy to see each other, um, you know, even though it was just on camera. So just doing all these small things virtually like you guys are doing, um, where you can see someone and say hello or send them messages of support and, and just trying to maintain some kind of schedule, which is going to be interesting after I turn in my final paper next Friday then I'm going to be in that dead zone until the next semester starts up. But that's what's kept me going is uh, having some kind of schedule. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't know what day of the week it is. Yeah. Well, see, I don't have a schedule, so I've already lost what track. <laughs> I have a schedule, Brian, and I, I. The other day, I was talking to Larry, and I'm like, "Is it Thursday? Is it Tuesday? Is it is it April? I, I don't." 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The day the tweet that's that's I I could care less about reaching out to Trek fandom. I really only am starting all these new projects just so I have something every. Now I have a Friday and a Saturday on top of my Tuesday and Wednesday. So well, maybe I. Can you you know, in in all seriousness, um, something that helped me was was looking forward to Thursday nights and being able to watch Star Trek Picard. And having having something to look forward to in the week helps us to get through those minor stressors. And for so many of us, those daily things that we look forward to are, are kind of all gone. So w- one of the things that I've started to do in our family here, I have a um, two-year-old daughter, is on Fridays, we have a special ice cream party. And, um, you know, it doesn't really, like, every day is kind of Friday. Like, we're all stuck at home together. So it, it's not like, yeah. oh, here comes a weekend. But it just gives me one thing to look forward to in that week in the same way that having Star Trek Picard airing on Thursdays gave me something to look forward to. Um, it just kind of helps you to to be like, okay, what day is it today? Okay, just a few more days till Friday we're going to have our ice cream party. Yeah. yeah. I, I get that with my – so now I do Trekland Tuesdays live on Tuesday at 1. I usually mm-hmm. have our portal events with the Portales, and thank you, Brian, for being a Porta- Portale all these years, the Portal 47. <laughs> and now we have Nonfiction Fridays on Friday, and we're now mm-hmm. we have the Psych Show Live, or the Psych Show Live. <laughs> we have <laughs> Life Support Live on Saturdays. And so I'm getting to see a lot of friends and community here, and then John and I are, are recording Trek Files with guests remotely, but at least I have that connection. My wife, I was going to say, is having um, – she's working from home. But in the last week, thanks to Zoom and everything else we're doing, she's actually her, – her regular weekly meetups with some of her girlfriends, they're doing that by Zoom. And they'll all go out – the, the place they love to go to, they'll all separately go and bring back takeout. So they're helping mm-hmm. – you know, we don't do it every night. We cook all the time now. But once or twice, we will still go out and get takeout. So you're helping the local business, and they'll come mm-hmm. and zoom around like they were. You know, we're all finding ways to cope like that. But putting a putting a pin on it here, it's it's all about that keeping our connections in some yeah. sense of. It's a different channel, but it's the same, the same connection, the same vibe. Eric, yeah. uh, uh, Brian, Erica wants to know: Are you wearing Thor's hammer? And that's pretty cool uh, that an interfaith chaplain um, might be wearing Thor's hammer. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am an ordained and trained interfaith minister um, going for my, my MDiv. Uh, and, and yes, although I am an interfaith minister, my own personal spiritual practice is that of heathenry, so I do wear Thor's hammer. <laughs> there, uh, my, my seminary, um, there's only a few of us at the seminary who are decidedly, we'll say, non-Christian. Um, I know there's, um, there's a, 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 a Wicca priestess, there's a number of Baha'i, and um, there's a, a bigger, um, bigger number of, uh, of Buddhist practitioners uh, as well. So that that seminary has actually opened up. They're trying to be a little more inclusive uh, and, and work with other paths because they know that so many people need some form of spiritual succor. Uh, you know, there's no one tradition that will fit all. Uh, so I applaud them for that. And um, I also uh, I also have to you know pray for them every now and then because I know they're dealing with a lot of crap for me sometimes where I say, that could be a little more inclusive what you're doing. 
Well, Brian, uh, we are so thankful to have you as our first guest on Life Support Live. I can't think of a, a, a better person um, to welcome us um, and break through whatever that Skype barrier was, that great barrier in the center of the galaxy. That Skype barrier was that whole, you forgot one more thing. Your the login. Pre-show yeah. checklist. There, was. there we go. Yeah. But it's a mouth broke. For a birth of art. Uh, Brian, so that's cool. Brian, you're um, what? Do it. What? Um, l- before we before we let you go, what is the the thing from Star Trek that's helping you the most right now? A series, an episode, a character, a a, uh, a toy, a memorabilia, a moment, a quote. What's helping you get through? An online um, show. I'm, <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, it's gonna be two things: the 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 online the online community, yeah, <laughs> like you guys. Uh, but also, I, I put in the uh, the YouTube chat, uh, the Heroes and Icons. It's mm-hmm. one of the channels here. Every night, they cycle through TOS, TNG, mm-hmm. DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise. And I am there for it every evening. Um, unless unless we're catching up on the DVR, that's what I'm watching all the way up to 1 a.m. over here. <laughs> Love it. Love it. You know, there's actually data that data i don't that was no pun intended um but there's there's evidence that rewatching stories is really helpful because you you know what to expect you get more meaning out of it you see it from a different lens it's it's very soothing um and many of us rewatching trek is is a is a big big one there brian thanks for thanks for joining us on life support yeah. uh great to have uh, you happy to be here thanks a lot guys yep. brian top of the hill next Oh. oh no did i i kicked larry off too that was not my plan not my intention let me bring him back on because that is a not nice thing to do as a host and welcome to life support live with dr ali batu and uh, my missing my missing guest uh co-host Available. Huh. Please okay. leave a message after. <laughs> well, hopefully Larry will be back very soon. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. Okay. So I'm, while I'm bringing Larry back on, uh, a couple of things to comment on. We will be doing this every Saturday. Rose was asking, "Is this going to be every Saturday?" Um, absolutely, Rose. This is going to be unavailable. Um, this is going to be every Saturday for the duration of this, for however long we are sheltering in place. Um, While I'm getting Larry back on, um, next week we are probably going to be talking about one of two topics. Let us know in the comments what you want us to tackle. Do you want us to tackle uncertainty in times of crisis? That will bring us into Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Or do you want us to talk about um, isolation, which will bring us to Star Trek Voyager? Uh, Let us know which of those two you would like us to talk about in the next episode. Larry, do I have you back on? I'm here, I think. <laughs> I see I see a computer monitor. Um, I don't oh. see you. Um, I don't know if you are there. Uh, yeah, he's back. I brought it back. Uh, I am so sorry, I, Larry. I, I, <laughs> let me get back around to... Uh, fa- I'm face-forwarding. The... Um, 
while Larry is calibrating, um, it's, it's hard to calibrate all the subspace frequencies. Um, so my, my deflector dish got aimed in the wrong direction. Larry, uh, I knocked you off of subspace. I am so sorry for that. Fat thumbed your Skype there. I can fat thing from your Skype. Yeah, or something. So I was just um, telling the audience that we are we are doing this every Saturday for the duration, and next week we are either going to tackle uncertainty in times of crisis with Deep Space Nine or isolation with Star Trek Voyager. Let us know, um, <laughs> Brian. Has- Live support live number one, the search for Dr. Trek. Um, yes, we have found him. Uh, the needs of the one outweighed the needs of the many, and we, we brought him back. And all it took is me uh, blowing up the Enterprise to do it. Um, what have I done, uh, Bones? Um, Larry, I think besides me kicking you off, this was a, um, a, a ton of fun. I really enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed talking this Trek with been, you. This has been. I'm trying to... Oh, there we go. Did I get it? <laughs> no, you. Oh, there you are. There, uh, Larry's back. Um, <laughs> Out of your flip camera button, and there we go. So, um, uh, Jared has been asking, "What mic am I using so I can buy one for Larry?" Larry's got a great mic. Larry has a very, very nice mic, but Larry's mouse broke, so it's been hard to use the computer. So we're going off of an iPhone here for Larry. Um, we're kind of, we kind of do what we can to, to make things happen here. Well, um, Larry, it is a close neck and neck between uncertainty and isolation. Um, we're probably going to talk about both folks, um, at some point on life support. Um, so, uh, folks, we do have, we have a wonderful list here of at least, I don't know, 10, 12, 15, topics for future shows and those are definitely on on the list and that's what was said by the fake doctor so can you know, <laughs> real um, okay, uh, are, do we have time for a real quite one more question i don't know what we're doing today for timing we're oh, into almost 90 we, minutes you were, we're into trying? 90 minutes i think we're we've gone we've asked a lot of time from a lot of folks um but one more question uh via skype or I, there was yeah there was a, there was a question back here uh, a good one yeah let's uh, let's take it uh, I've now got to go back. Basically, they were saying, do we have any? Uh, he says, oh, this is from Luke from mm-hmm. um, from your YouTube feed. Hey, guys, any tips to people, any tips for people who are addicted to video games and porn who may have a harder time refraining because of the quarantine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is a really great question. And so um, when it comes to... Um, it's a bit of a controversial topic. Can you be addicted to video games um, or porn or, or Star Trek or any of these kind of things? Um, you, you're not seeing my massive Starship collection that I have here, but some might say I have a problem with that. Those people would include my spouse. Um, here's the thing with this is we're wired for connection. And when we don't have enough connection with other people, sometimes we search for that in things or experiences or games or media or starships. And so the, the main thing to really understand, if, if you're struggling with using any type of media, um, if you're having a hard time controlling that, is really understand what's it doing for you. It's doing something. Something. 
It's working in some way. Maybe it's helping you deal with boredom. Maybe it's helping you to get a little distance from difficult thoughts. Maybe it is um, a really pleasurable experience. But the first thing you have to understand before you can even change the behavior is what is that behavior doing for you? And then um, we need a lot of compassion for yourself because this there are important reasons why you're doing this. So once you have that understanding, once you stop blaming yourself or struggling with guilt because there's good reasons why you're doing this, then it's about trying to understand what are some other ways in which I can satisfy that need. If it's about boredom, what are some other ways in which I can I can satisfy that need? The last thing I'll say about this, I'm a big fan, Larry. I'm a big fan of being lazy. And what that means is I like making it um, easy to avoid stuff that's difficult for me. I... I I really like candy, Larry. I don't know if we've ever talked about this. Um, and I've struggled with my weight my whole life. But oh. um, the biggest thing for me is Sour Patch Kids. If I have them, I eat them. They're gone. Those movie theater size ones, I will destroy them. I will destroy them. And so the biggest way I can have self-control is by not having them in my home or having those small snack packs, the ones that are the the 100-calorie packs. Yep, the small ones, and I make them hard to reach, and I only allow myself one. So I'm a big fan of locking in self-control when self-control is easy to do. It's hard to do self-control when you're in the situation. If I already am eating a giant pack of Sour Patch Kids, I'm going to eat them all. But it's easier to do self-control when I'm buying them in the grocery store. Um, so make it easy. Be compassionate towards yourself. Understand why you're doing it. Find other ways to do it. Uh, great there's, question, Luke. There's a time to uh, – yeah. I, I, those who follow Dr. Trek and me the last few years or know me forever, I've lost about 50, 60 pounds, 50 pounds the last 18 years. But a lot of that, and it was Weight Watchers and the app on the phone, Weight Watchers. But the same thing. I had to. I realized I had to throw away all that Heartland Depression era parents. Mm. You know, buy in bulk. It's like no. If I want a treat, I have to like walk across the street and buy one, and then come. If I want my cinnamon and my coffee cake thing, you know, go over. But don't come back and bulk up because they're cheaper. <laughs> then I'll go through five or six. And it's it. But it is. It's a little time tricks and it even involves getting getting meta again like well that it's more expensive to do that well but how much how much does carrying 50 extra pounds around going to cost you in the long run you know mm. forget the wise pound foolish here um but it's just some of those like some of those kinds of things that you get into and you think and then you pull back and go no the big picture solution here is to do exactly what you said and if you're throwing some other piece of wisdom out the window how wise could it really be in the first place buy yeah. one at a time uh, there's if, if anyone wants to learn more about that, there's a great book called uh, Atomic Habits, which is um, probably the easiest, uh, most straightforward explanation of how to change your habits that I have ever read. I really like uh, James Clear wrote that. And um, if you don't want to buy the book, just go to his website. He makes um, a lot of the biggest points of that. Um, he gives them away for free on his website. So check out Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, uh, Mick says, Mick's been trying to get on the Skype and been unable to. Mick, Mick, we'll get you on at some point. Um, If I'm not eating two cartons of ice cream, what's the point? I have self-control by not even starting. 
starting. And for many of us, especially if you're um, struggling with alcohol use, that might be the easiest way mm-hmm. is just not bringing it in, into your home or not going. Pa- this isn't a problem when we're sheltering in place, but not going to the places where you might be vulnerable to um, uh, to do those things that you're trying to trying to Smoke reduce. Talk about that a lot. About yeah. the habits, just the props and things that they get into when they're smoking. Yeah, um, Luke says, yeah, it seems like figuring out what I'm looking for in those things is key. Thank you so much for answering. Thanks so much for asking yeah. your question. Maybe, Larry, we could talk about Barkley and habits and addiction and uh, holodex, because I think, Luke, your question kind of ties right into I, that. I think, you know, that list we made, I think Barkley is number 47 on the list. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, I keep piling on but only because it's my 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 nephew here who is yeah. in army intelligence uh he's carrying on uh my dad my uh, brother's uh, military tradition there he said and this is not so much a question but a nice reminder for everyone he said earlier we mentioned the tremendous loss picard encounters as a soldier i'm familiar with the 22 a day suicide rate among veterans yeah the loss of fellow comrades and adjusting back to a civilian system is hard enough and probably a big contributing factor and now at a time like this, I'd like to remind people to reach out to coworkers, family, and friends. Um, yeah, just the, he's, he's piling on there. But thank you for that insight there about uh, returning veterans who are already having a tough time, a you, horrible tough time. And you, now we've got this overlay. You know, you, you never know by reaching out to someone what difference you might be making. We're finding that in mental health across all sorts of conditions, social support connecting to other people and listening and expressing your concern and how much you care about the person. That is the most important thing we can do to uplift people's mental health and sometimes save lives. Um, so many, uh, so much, um, so many interviews that have been done with people who have, who have struggled with suicide, they point to that factor, that connection and concern from other people is something that have helped people to get through moments of crisis. So reach out to the people you love, your friends, your family, the people, if you're worried about someone, reach out to them. Um, something else that, uh, Larry, we should probably talk about at some point is the connection with service and Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, whether they're in the military or they're chaplains or they're serving their communities or they're running for office, have found a connection with Star Trek because Star Trek has this idea of serving a larger purpose, of working together for this common cause. And um, The needs of the many there? The needs of the many. <laughs> um, oh, man, we could just quote Wrath of Khan all day long. Thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. I'm at Alimatu on social media. And I'm at Larry Nemechek. Hey, if you like this show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It'll help more people to discover life support. And you can join the community at our Life Support Live Facebook group. If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash thepsychshow. And for a deeper dive into all things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nimichek's Trekland on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone. <laughs>